0: You're listening to season four of This Nazarene Life, stories of young Nazarene clergy and their role models. TNL is a production of Young Clergy Network, and we are hosting our last national conference in California this coming October 17th through 19th. If you've been waiting to join us at one of these, this is your last chance. We can't wait to see you, and honestly, it's my favorite time of year. Come if you want to make new friends and not feel quite so alone. Check out more details over at yccwest.eventbrite.com. Today on the podcast, we have Reverend Matthew Jones. He and I recorded this on a lunch break at M19, so I hope you enjoy the background chatter. Matthew's an incredible lead pastor in Sandwich, Illinois. Thanks for all you do for young pastors, and thanks for tuning in. Jack, and I'm here with my guest Matthew Jones. Matthew Jones is the lead pastor of Sandwich Church of the Nazarene in Sandwich, Illinois. Welcome to the show.
1: Thank you. Thanks for so much for having me.
0: So the first question I ask everybody is, how did you end up in the Church of the Nazarene?
1: Yeah, um, so my family's been in the Church of the Nazarene for a long time. Mm-hmm. Um, my great-grandma, Lola Harper, um, moved from Kansas to Illinois. So I think it was about that time that they started going to Church of the Nazarene. And so that's just where all of us have been ever since. I um, was born into a really good church and then moved um, when I was four to uh, the church that I would spend kind of the rest of my childhood in. And um, that was the only church I ever knew. Um, so it's uh, kind of in my blood, just there all the time. Um, yeah, kind of a typical Nazarene church boy, right? Yeah, Um, that's great. So yeah, that's kind of how I I got here.
0: So tell me the story of your call to ministry. How did you end up being a pastor?
1: Yeah, well, um, I don't even remember the beginning of this story because when I was, my family says like three probably, um, I started saying that I was going to be a pastor. Um, So from just the youngest possible age, um, that was kind of the plan. and uh, it's been interesting how my my understanding of uh, a call has been shaped over this first part of my life. Yeah. Um, so. Um, I started when I was very young saying I wanted to be a pastor, and then as I started getting older and and watching different pastors and stuff, I began to express, like, I want to, um, I don't want to, I would, my mom says, you'd say, I don't want to be the kind of pastor that has a church. I want to be the kind of pastor that travels around. Mm. So I thought I was going to be an evangelist. And then when I was a kid, went to church camp, saw these children evangelists, just thought that was amazing. Aww. So it started, uh, as a young kid saying, I'm going to be a children's evangelist. And so I started learning, learning the craft, the balloon animals, Aww. the, uh, the magic, the <laughs> ventriloquism, all of these things. Okay. So that was like my childhood. Very, very nerdy. It's awesome. Um, but yeah, so, um, Learning all that, kind of preparing my life to go down that road. Mm-hmm. As I as I get older, um, the the church gives me opportunities to try that, and it's it's good, and I enjoy it. But I begin to realize this probably is not what I want to do for the rest of my life, yeah. and so. Um, the my youth pastors and uh, people that were influencing me at that time, I thought, oh, maybe I'll go into youth ministry. Mm. Also, I was homeschooled, okay, and so I spent a lot of time like at the church throughout the week, just gotcha. like helping my pastors and and uh, helping my youth pastor. Mm-hmm. I'm a two mm-hmm. an enneagram two, mm-hmm. so that makes good sense. Now looking back on that, yes, right? Is, yes, like, yeah, right, okay. <laughs> yeah. Doing the bulletin Aww. board, you know, yeah. um, anything you can do. So um, looking back, I, I think, my pastor, was like crazy for letting me do the things that <laughs> he let me do, uh, and I'm so grateful. And I want to have that for the young people that I'm leading to let them try stuff. Yeah. Um, so a, a good example of this uh, is that so I was I was obviously into like creative sort of ministry and mm-hmm. stuff and so when I was probably early high school I remember one Saturday night I was laying in bed and I had this idea I would like do skits in church with other kids and stuff like that sure. I'm laying in bed on Saturday night and I had this idea for this monologue and I thought you know this would be really good. And so I went to my pastor the next morning at, at church on, a, before, on, the Sunday, on morning. Sunday morning before Sunday school. And I said, pastor, I have a monologue. Can I do it today? And he said, yeah. But looking back, if someone came to me now and said that <laughs> would be like, no, like <laughs> I need to screen this. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But he just like saw that, that it was worth just like letting me, what he didn't know was that like, I had not yet written it. I just had the idea. So I, like, went into a classroom, skipped Sunday school. That's, like, oh. the extent of my ditching sure, uh, for sure. my life As I skipped Sunday school to go. To prep something yeah, for this. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So I went and wrote it and memorized it and then went on Sunday morning and, and did it. Um, so that was – that is just, like, an example of how open my pastor was to letting oh. me try things. And every time I said, can I try this? Can yeah. I do this? It was a yes. Um, That's awesome. And that just, like – gave me so much opportunity to explore my call Mm -hmm. and to figure out uh kind of how I was made to serve the church um and the church people um I mean I had a lot of family there but also a lot of people that became my family Mm -hmm. over my childhood and um they were so supportive and encouraging as I tried all those things and my church was such a good sport looking back like oh my goodness I was so blessed. and then in high school, I, I start to think, okay, maybe, you know, youth ministry. So I'm leading youth group sometimes and doing things like that and, and then um, helping with worship music. And so I kind of then begin to slide more into the worship side of things. And mm. I start organizing the worship for the services and um, playing piano for that and stuff. And uh, so I, I go then to uh, Olivet. That was always a plan. Okay. My aunts and uncles, my mom all went to Olivet. Mm -hmm. So that I didn't even consider going. I went to community college for a year because um, I wanted to do gen eds and try to save a little bit of money. Mm -hmm. So I went to community college, did gen eds, got experience of what it's like to be in a classroom because I had been homeschooled, right? Oh, sure, right. Um, And that ended up being great. I met some uh, good friends at community college that I still keep in touch with and Mm -hmm. stuff. So that was really cool. Um, Transferred to Olivet and uh, went into uh, pastoral ministry major that ended up changing to religious studies because I wanted to do a music minor, mm-hmm. which I didn't quite finish. Um, but that's fine, that's yeah, no, fine. That. Um, yeah, so, uh, but it was, I uh, had a really good time there. And while I was at Olivet, so I, I go into Olivet, um, having the, the context of maybe I'll be a children's evangelist, maybe mm-hmm. I'll be a youth pastor, mm-hmm. maybe I'll um, be a worship pastor, um, maybe I'll preach if I travel or something I don't know so just not really having any sense of like what I'm going to actually do yeah which is a, a actually probably a better way to go into it than already having my mind made up looking back sure. on it but that felt a little nerve-wracking because I didn't really uh, know so um, Dr. left my advisor just do pastoral ministry. Um, so I'm taking classes, second year at Olivet, and I'm in a class, um, and on pastoral care and counseling. And I don't, I don't remember a single thing that we talked about that day. But I just remember sitting there, and all of a sudden it all like connected to me that if I am in a typical church of the Nazarene, mm. that's you know 50 people or less, and I'm the pastor. I will be doing children's ministry. I'll be doing youth ministry. I'll be doing worship ministry. It's all part of, it's all part of, the gig, you mm-hmm, know. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. And so I realized then, at, like at that time, oh, maybe the reason that I've been given the opportunity to try all these things is because those are all skills that I'm going to need if I'm a senior pastor, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and then it wasn't long after that that I began to fall in love with preaching um, mm-hmm. typical Nazarene at General Assembly in Orlando and Dr. Warwick is preaching about holiness and just have this overwhelming sense that, that I'm called to proclaim this good news um, and so that was uh, kind of at the end of my Olivet career um, but yeah, at, in college met some great friends that were also preparing for ministry and still very close with them and they've been formative in my call i one of the things that is a blessing to me is that i have like my church affirmed my call and professors but when your friends say i you will be a you're going to be a good pastor you know that that is like a different kind of meaningful um and so the friends that have encouraged me to keep going even when i was like I don't want to be a pastor. You know what I mean? Um, that has been meaningful to me. Mm. Um, and, and I would say in grad school, um, because... I, so I was finished up at Olivet and then started doing a grad program there. And then that's when I really, like, began to kick against the call. Mm. And I was like, I do not want to be in ministry. Yeah. And actually, like, my first year of grad school was, like, a really dark place for me. And mm. I was just like... I which probably no one, no one knew, but I was like, so upset that I was going into ministry, did not want to do it. Um, I remember I was going for, uh, my district license interview and I sat down and I was just like, oh, this is not good. This is not going to be good. And at the first question they asked, I just burst into tears Aww. and one of them got up, gave me a box of tissues and I just was like, I don't want to go into ministry. And, um, they were very, very kind and gentle with me, which yeah. was, um, again, a formative moment for me that I could express that. Um, and kind of learning to work through how to, how to be in ministry when you don't want to be in ministry, you sure. know. Um, so, yeah, the, and then um, having the, the sense that there's probably a lot of things I could do and maybe will do Mm. um one thing I appreciate about my DS is that um he'll he'll say I'm I'm doing I'm living into the call as best as I can as I understand it now and if that ever changes that's fine yeah and um and so for me being a pastor in the location that I'm at with the the whole situation I'm in, this is a good expression of my call right now. Yeah. Um, so then kind of after my first year in grad school, beginning to work through some of that, I took um, a class on uh, philosophy of ministry or theology of ministry or something like that. And one of the things we began to explore was um, an our understanding of our call. and. Uh, I begin to see that, well, we've often like made it this, this is what you're called to do. And then the expectation is you're going to do this for your whole life until you die. Mm. Right. And I never, I always felt like there, we don't give people a good way to say, I'm not called to be a pastor anymore. We mm. don't give people a good way to say, I'm not called to this anymore. Mm. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so, uh, what we began to talk about in that class was the idea of... I'm sure a lot of people talk about this. It's not that crazy or anything. But, like, a, an inner call and an outer call. Mm. And um, beginning to develop... So, what is the thing that you're created to do? And that's not... That's not a job. That's not a title. It's not being a pastor. That's... Yeah. So, I... This is my image for it. Kay. It's like a Easter egg. Mm-hmm. Plastic Easter egg with Play-Doh inside.
0: Okay.
1: And the play-doh is like what you are created to do mm. um, and that will always be the same whatever whatever the shell is mm. whatever the shell is and I feel like we've only talked about call in the church in my experience as the shell the mm. other thing you're called to be a pastor so for me the working through that and realizing I'm not necessarily called to be a pastor I'm called to proclaim the radically good news of God. Mm and so right now that means Michelle is a pastor right, and a librarian and a student um, but might not always be Um, and so that just coming to understanding that I can have a sense that maybe this isn't what it will always be Mm. but this is where I'm at now and um, my insides tell me this is what I have to be doing Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. so uh, that's kind of the the journey of my call um I guess and just really getting down to the inside of it Mm -hmm. um and and just had my ordination interview about a month ago and um yeah 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 and so they asked at the end of the interview uh you know uh, are you called to lifelong ministry you know basically you're gonna be a pastor till you die Mm. and so I said well I'm going to say what our DS says. (laughs) As best as I understand my call right now, this is what I'm going to do. If that changes, I'll let you know. And they they were very pleased to hear that. Um, Mm. But, uh, yeah, so this is is where I am now. And I wouldn't want to be anywhere else, even on the days that it's not fun and I am wishing I wasn't doing it, you know? Yeah. Yeah.
0: Okay, so how did you end up from... Olivet yeah. to where you're at now kind of tell me that yes timeline. yes 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 so
1: um uh I'll, I'll kind of give you the whole picture mm-hmm. um so while I'm at Olivet um my pastor at my home church okay. um Eureka in Illinois retired uh-huh. and he'd been there for like over 25 years okay. very long time wait what, so, dude, what's your pastor's name Gordon Barrett.
0: Like, shout out to your pastor yes, for yes, yes. shepherding you this whole absolutely, time.
1: Absolutely, absolutely. Okay, Gordon Barrett um, and his wife, Gloria, uh, teaching Sunday school. Oh, my goodness. That's
0: awesome.
1: Um, so uh, he retires, and um, the church calls an interim pastor, and uh, they ended up asking him to stay on as, as the senior pastor. He's still there. And um, so I had began, to, began to get to know him, and he invited me to to come and be the worship minister while I was at all that. So it was like an hour and a half away. So I was driving down every weekend there, serving uh, at my home church, which was wonderful, mm. but it was also exhausting. Yeah, to how drive. many years did you? I just did it one semester. So like oh. I went at the beginning of the spring semester yeah. and I worked the spring semester and then the summer. Okay. And then um, he was so wise and in, uh, discerning I think you could just see that I was, like, getting anxious about carrying that on, but I didn't want to, like, say no. Aww. And he said, I think you just need to go be a student, which was such a gift to me. I'm Aww. still thankful for that. That's awesome. um, so, also, shout-out Pastor Mike. So, uh, yeah, went back to Olivet, um, did a lot of, like, pulpit fill-in for the district and stuff um, while I was there. What district is that? Northwest Sorry. Illinois. Okay. Yep, yep. So, uh, at the end of my undergrad in 2014 um it was district assembly and my ds said do you have any summer plans and i was like nope i sure don't and he said do you want to be an interim pastor and i said sounds great so i went um to north pekin uh which is on our, our district there it's a small church and um went and that was that summer was just learning the the extreme difference between preaching once or twice uh, a semester in school Um, and preaching every week in a church. Yeah. Um, And uh, they, I am forever indebted to that church for letting me just figure that out that summer. Um, That's when I I just realized preaching every week is a lifestyle. Mm. It's like a way of, of being Being in the the world. world. Yes, yes, yes it's not just part of it's it like becomes part of you yeah. it's extension of your personality um it, yeah so
0: oh, well tell me more about that evolution dig into that a little.
1: yeah bit. yeah so what
0: was that
1: like yeah so i i even remember kind of like that first uh sermon kind of like working through it um and then the next and like doing it, it was great and the next day i was like oh here we go like again right um yeah. this that i've got to do it again this week mm. and at that you know that point like i could spend like, well over 10 hours, you know what I mean, working on it, yeah. um, and so it was just every week, it, and it, I, like, realized this is relentless, you know, yeah. and it's it just a stubborn, I was thinking, there are pastors, I remember, there are pastors that have been doing this for 20 years, like, how do they do it, right, because yeah. I thought, I thought, like, this is what it's going to be like every week, yeah. but I realized you get better at it, yeah, you yeah, know, yeah. I mean, it, like, doesn't take you that long every week, um, uh, and so,
0: what's what's that bettering process like though what are you learning are, are you getting faster at?
1: Yeah stepping, so much what, what so you... much so much faster um, well so learning that um, learning to just find kind of the heart of what you're going for and then watching for things mm-hmm. and also not feeling like and this was something I learned that summer not feeling like every sermon had to be like a home run yeah. right? um recognizing that and also uh at that I I feel like uh in my preaching I was like very emotional I was you know I mean just got out of college like I was yeah yeah I was younger I'm not that much older now but I feel like I've matured as a human you know um emotionally and uh so it was just every week you know tearing up while I'm preaching and I realized this is like emotionally exhausting I can't can't do this um I, I was going along, and I kind of had, like, a routine. Like, Monday I would do, like, multiple readings. Tuesday I would, like, do this sort of prep work. Wednesday with this. And then, like, Thursday would be, like, try to have, like, a my stuff ready, you know. Um, and I remember that week, like, it just wasn't coming. I, I was using the lectionary, um, and I was, like which is just typical of me. I'm not just going to use lecturing. I'm going to find the theme. The, I'm going to find the weave all four texts together. You know well, what I mean? Um, which, like, what was I thinking? Like uh, bonus round yeah, for me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, I was like, yeah, like, why did the world did I do that? But yeah. anyway, um, it was good. It was it, it actually was good for me. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, I didn't have a lot of other responsibilities that time, so I had the time to work at that. Yeah. Um, but I remember there was one week, I just was I was reading the gospel and and I I have no idea what this is saying to us Mm. just couldn't couldn't figure it out and it would get to the point where like every week I I remember I'd like lean back in my chair at the desk and I would just look up and I'd be like I don't have anything to say to these people I'm all out of ideas if you're gonna like say something to your people just like let me know <laughs> you know what I mean just like yeah 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 like just like let me know okay yeah. and it was amazing how like often I would like then look down and it would just be there mm. and the text something would jump out at me Ugh. and I just realized that there's a coming to an end of the the yourself in the preparation
0: yeah.
1: that positions you to be ready to actually hear god speaking to you mm. for your people
0: yeah
1: um and but there was one week that like that didn't happen Uh-oh. i'm like okay tell me what it is don't know nothing it's thursday god tell me what it is i don't know and i'm like i don't have any ideas yeah, like yeah, i don't yeah. i don't know what to do with this <gasps> this i can't figure it out you That's
0: know like pastor nightmare yeah
1: so it's friday can't figure it out. It's Saturday. I'm like working on it all day Saturday, and I remember it was Saturday, and like I had done all of the exegetical work and like stuff, but I didn't know what the message was. Mm. You know, what's the good news here? Mm. I, I don't get it. You know, oh. and it was Saturday night, and I was sitting at my desk, and I had been sitting there for hours and hours and hours, and I have this crazy moment where I just sense God say, "Go to bed," and I was like, "No, <laughs> no." No, no, no.
0: I can't do that, God Yeah, of yeah, right. Yeah. Like,
1: but the Lord is like, if you're exhausted, you're going to have no sermon and you're going to be exhausted. Mm. So just go to bed, right? Yeah.
0: So compassionate. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So I go to bed, get up an hour earlier, I go down, I look at the text and it's there. <gasps> and I'm like, oh, I just needed to sleep. Aww. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and he just needed a rest and trust. And so I'm, like, rushing to, like, put this thing together. And I, the parsonage was, like, across the parking lot. And I just feel like, I just feel like, I felt like it was a mess walking across that parking <laughs> lot. Like, I'm barely, like, making it in by the skin of my teeth before everyone shows up. And, like, I have this, this sermon that feels like it's just, like, scotch taped together. Aww. You know what I mean? And I, I, I walk in there, and I'm getting stuff right in the sanctuary. And I walk out into the hall, and my DS is there. <gasps> And I was, there was the one week he chose to come for the whole summer. Oh no, and I, of the whole yeah, summer? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh man. And I was like, wait, what? <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> no warning, no warning. I would have stayed up all night. So I remember we were standing there singing and it was like this moment with me and the Lord. And I realized preaching cannot be about me looking clever in front of my DS. Oh. And I said... Okay, God, I want you to speak to your people. Yeah. If my DS doesn't think I'm clever, I'll be fine. Yeah. And that was a huge, like, formative moment in my understanding of preaching mm. and and the kind of preacher that I want to be, yeah. and the the way I the way I feel about the whole situation when I'm doing it. Yeah. And um. And of course, it was the most formative sermon in my life that whole summer mm. and the people grabbed a hold of it and loved it Love and the message was full of life in a different kind of way do
0: you remember what you talked about?
1: yeah so um, it was uh, I fo- just focused on the gospel that day mm-hmm. um, but it was uh, the feeding the 5000 and the they said all we have it's just this it's just this bread and this fish. Yeah. And it's, like, basically nothing. Mm. And I said, maybe that's maybe that's us. Mm. Maybe we're just this little bit. Mm. But if we will say, like, here we are, yeah. good things can happen. Yeah. And, um, which is crazy, because that was, that was, like, five years ago now. You know what I mean? Um, and that's still with me. Mm. So the... That was kind of the the big takeaway from that summer. Um, so so then I so I leave North Peak in. Um, they were they were so good to me. They loved me so well. Um, and went back to Olivet for grad school. Uh, lived there um, for two more years. Um, was involved with different ministries at College Church and and uh, doing some traveling and stuff. Um, And uh, then after that, I was at another district assembly. And um, in 2016, so spring of 2016, my DS says, do you have any summer plans? I said, nope. (laughs) Um, Which... You should so, not be advi- afraid of conversations. Yeah, that yeah. Start yeah. That way. Um, but seriously, advice to those younger people listening <laughs> maybe just don't make college plans like, or summer plans. Summer plan. Yeah, yeah. Maybe Never just,
0: have summer plans. Yeah, yeah. Because good be things can happen. For whatever you're yeah. doing,
1: yeah. yeah. ask <laughs> yeah. you to do. Right, right, right. Maybe don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so additionally, he says, Do you want to uh, interim for the summer? You need mm. someone? I said, Yeah, great, great. Um,
0: and at this point, you're like, Been there, done that. Yeah,
1: yeah. So I'm like, It'll be another good summer of like, again getting to preach every week kind of um learning that again because it had been two years since I had done that mm-hmm. um so like getting back into it just more experience and so I um the day that their pastor moved out of the parsonage I moved in, oh, in wow in sandwich okay. Illinois and um I had never I had never been there before really um it's on my district but I was kind of like sandwich you know um which turns out I have a great aunt and uncle that lived there and went to that church. Um and so they they passed long ago, but my great aunt when I was like maybe 5, she would come and visit at Christmas time at her house. Um and so uh it's it's like kind of odd to have this sense like they would never have imagined, you know, that their great nephew would be here now. Uh cuz it's sandwich, you know what I mean, which is an unending source of jokes. Uh, that the town is named Sandwich. But anyway, so I go to um, this church and uh, uh, begin preaching and um, kind of doing ministry there that summer in 2016. And uh, we fell in love with each other over the summer. And at the end of the summer, they basically said, you're not allowed to leave. (laughs) And so... um, uh, I said, "Okay, I can work with that." Aww. And um, so they called me uh, to be their pastor, and I said yes. And I was installed in September. And um, uh, it's crazy to me that now that's been almost three years ago yeah. since I was uh, first showed up there. Because um, you
0: started there in like June.
1: Yeah, yeah. So yeah. I started. Well, I started in, like May, um, mm-hmm. kind of the beginning of May, and um, and yeah, it, that that first summer was just beginning to kind of get a sense also the the great fortune that i had um with this situation is that my interview for the job was three months long Mm. um and that is a huge blessing because i friends that they have to make the decision based off of one sunday you know what i mean um and uh we had a sense after three months of kind of what each other's quirks were, Mm -hmm, you know, mm -hmm. um, what we were going to have to put up with. And, um, they, they said, yes, we want this guy that has no experience. Mm -hmm. Um, which I remind them of that often. (laughs) Like when I don't know what I'm doing, like you asked for this. Yeah. 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 Um, you could have let me go. Right. Um, but they're, they're so, so patient with me. Um, yeah so these these past three years have been um really good that the first summer that I was there I was really just like recovering from being still in the university world Mm -hmm. where it's like you never sleep and everything's happening all the time and so I just like I just caught up on rest that summer Mm -hmm. and kind of began to just move into a different chapter of life that first year though very different rhythm my first year was extremely lonely. I didn't know anyone in town. I'm single um, and this young guy and I most most people think I'm like much younger than I am. I don't mm-hmm. know. Also, some people think I'm old. It's weird. But anyway, no one ever knows how old do, I do am. Do
0: you mind me asking you how old I am? I'm 26. Okay, okay. Yeah,
1: yeah. But like some people, typically like older people will think I'm like maybe a teenager like, oh, sometimes. Oh, right. Okay, yes. And um, and then people my age and younger think I'm, like, older. Sure. So, it, yeah. I just have one of those spaces, I guess. Um, <laughs> which is fine. It's fine. Uh, but anyway, that was not needed. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, my yeah. fault. No, no. It's, no, it's okay. <laughs> um, so uh, I spend that first year really, like, kind of, like, how in the world do you move to a town where you don't know anyone, you don't have any friends? Yeah. Um, it, was, it was hard. It was yeah. really, really hard. Very, very lonely. And I, I remember many times I would think, because I would be Facetiming friends and texting all the time and just like trying to stay connected, and I just thought I don't have any clue how pastors would have done this pre-technology.
0: Yeah,
1: I don't. I would have given up yeah. after that first year. I would have been out of ministry because yeah. I was on such even with technology. I was on such an island, mm-hmm. um, and it was it was very very hard. Yeah. Um, uh, my saving grace was that I was still finishing up. Um, my grad program at Olivet, and one of the requirements left was to do a mentor, um, mentorship. Nice. And so I, um, there was a pastor that was pastoring a half hour away. I'd, I grew up on that district, and so I'd known his son, and I'd, he'd known me my whole life, but we had never really gotten to know each other. Um, but I knew he had adjunct at Olivet, and so I thought he would be a good person that I could talk academically with but also he's in ministry so he'll be able to help me with the pastoral side of everything and so I asked him if he would if he would do this year-long mentorship with me and he said yes and that literally saved saved me that year um, to have someone every week to talk to and share here's what's going on here's what what do I do in this situation and um, just to feel like I had a, a partner in ministry because I I didn't in, yeah. in in town, you know, oh. um, and so that was so good. And at the end of the year, I said, Bill, you're gonna have to work really hard to get me to stop calling you every week. Mm-hmm. And so every Tuesday morning, I call Bill and oh. we talk and check in. Still? Yeah, 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 oh, yeah, I love that yeah. So, much. Yeah. so um, he he is uh, a real real blessing to my life, mm. and he will. He will listen to whatever I'm thinking, and I is the kind of he's the person that when I'm like wrestling with something, I don't have to worry about am I allowed to say this? Yeah. I can just like share it, and he will he will listen, and I love it. He'll he's so wise. He'll say, Matt, uh, I'm gonna think about that this week, and then let's talk about it again next week. Mm. And he will, you know. Um, mm. I I love that because so often what I found is uh, when I'm talking with people that are further ahead in ministry, conversations happen so quickly. Yeah. Um, that we don't really get to work through it. and So that's what I love about Bill, is he's willing to like say, okay, I heard your side. Give me a week to think and process what you've said. Um, So we've had some just amazing conversations. And um, in my struggle to go through the ordination process, um, he has just kept me well (laughs) um, through that. And so uh, it's been such such a gift to have that relationship um and so uh that was kind of like the first thing that really made a difference in in getting into ministry there um and uh and then i began to meet other pastors in town they had a, a kind of a ministerial association and so i started participating in that and then out of that i found um out that they well um i was at a preaching, com- preaching conference at nts mm-hmm. and someone said You've got to have a lectionary study group, and um, they said you should even just start it with other pastors in your town. And I was like, "That's my takeaway. That's what I'm gonna do." And so I went to our association. And they said, "Can we start a lectionary study group?" And they said, "We already have one." And I was like, <laughs> "Incredible! Even better! Like, I don't have Sign to. Me yeah, I don't have to do anything. Aww. I just show up." And so um, I started participating in that, and then like really got close with these other ministers. There's a United Methodist minister named Steve, and he's. Uh, just turned 73 last week, which means he has to retire. So he's, I'm, I'm so sad he's retiring because he is just like, uh, he is just this iconic preacher. Um, he's got a deep voice. He's very tall and he has a hilarious story about any subject. Mm. Um, just a wealth of knowledge and he's very, very smart. Mm. Um, and so he's, he's such a blessing and, uh, and we've got uh, a lady anne who uh, is a baptist pastor but she uh, is pastoring two presbyterian churches right now because they need need someone and so she's doing that um and uh, we've got um a dave who's a united methodist minister and he's pastoring two united methodist churches and then we've got david who is a baptist pastor and uh, and so that group of pastors and Wayne, I can't forget Wayne. And
0: you all are preaching the lectionary. And, and we're all about preaching
1: it. the lectionary. Wayne, who's a Lutheran, is there, um, and he is like just has. When I first got there, he was the pastor that really started to care for me. Whenever I would see him, he would just check in on me and stuff. Yeah. Well, okay. And so this group of pastors that we meet, we meet at a restaurant in town every week mm-hmm. and um, have lunch and just catch up, and then we go through the lectionary text, and that. Having partners in ministry that are in the same community—I yeah. don't know how I would do this without them. Mm. That's like essential to my personal well-being, but also just to what's happening in the life of my church and yeah. seeing the bigger picture of what's happening in town mm. um, is so important. It's so important. So that getting plugged into that group was like the other thing that being a being a pastor at a small church about. 40, 45 people on a Sunday Mm -hmm. in a small town, 7,500 people in town. Um, I can't, we don't, we're not going to have a staff. You know what I mean? There's no, there's no um, collaboration um, in that sense. But now I have this team of pastors that Mm -hmm. I get to work with. Um, And so that is, that's uh, a really, really big blessing. I don't know what I would do without them. They're, they're wonderful. I love that. Um, That's kind of what uh, has really planted me um in the community also working at a public library now yeah um, tell me about that yeah you yeah started doing that? yeah um so i'm in grad school mm-hmm. again i go to catholic theological union which is in hyde park close to the university of chicago We're, you're um, getting a it's an ma in theology and there you have okay. a major minor so i'm new testament major old testament minor okay. so it's like a new testament theology degree right. um so i'm usually there once a week mm-hmm. i'll drive up uh, about an hour and a half two hours to get there um uh, sometimes I'm online um doing one or two classes at a time depending on what I can afford because not about to take out debt for a degree no one's asking me to get yeah. um so just kind of doing it as I can and which is slow but it's also really good it's um smart. yeah and so that um has been just so good to get a Coming from Olivet, which gave me a great education, actually feels like I have such a head start now at um, at CTU, Um, Olivet was wonderful. The thing that it lacked was just diversity in the student body and in the perspective. So CTU is known around the world and so people come from all over. So often I'm a minority in the class and often English speakers are the minority. Most people are doing ESL. That's awesome. Um, So that gives such a richness to the, when when it's time for discussion, Mm. people are, there's just so much wisdom there Mm. um, because they're coming from all over. And so just getting to see kind of the global um, picture of the church um, Mm. is really, really cool. Um, So that's... So, um, uh, and the pastor before me in Sandwich had a, had a full-time job. Mm -hmm. Um, so I was like, I probably should start trying to earn some money. And so the public library is four houses down from the Parsonage. Oh, wow. Yeah. So it's very, very close. Very walkable community. And the church doesn't have like a big printer. So I was going in there every week to print our bulletins anyway. So Mm -hmm. I was already like the staff I was like fairly close with and, um, I've been doing that for almost a year now, mm-hmm. um, and that's been uh, really, really good, starting to get more involved other than just kind of learn. I have no idea how complicated a library is. I just, oh? it's just, like, crazy. The, all the technology you have to learn, mm-hmm. just, like, the systems and mm-hmm, everything. Mm-hmm. It's And, like, every week there's some new thing that comes up that I've never seen before. Oh, sure. and it, it's, it's just insane. So that's been interesting to kind of learn this whole other um profession i guess mm-hmm, um mm-hmm. and um but but also getting to start leading some some programs there leading recycling for the community Yay. um so that's that's been uh, really really cool and also leading a film discussion group um so doing some fun things there that are also life-giving um and uh yeah so just basically did it because i needed a job um but it's been really really fun to get to know the staff and that has enough is the reason why i started talking about that is that's another thing that has just planted me in the community and makes makes it feel like home to me because the one thing i have my mentor i have those pastors i meet with but still didn't really feel like i had Friends in town, uh, especially my age, because we don't have anyone in their 20s other than me at our church, mm-hmm. um, and so uh, to be able to work uh, with um, the two of the full-time staff there, are girls that are just a couple years older than me, and so getting to work with them and become friends with them and and hang out is it's just uh, it's been awesome. Um, so yeah, so doing ministry and school and working. Um, yeah, just. You got a lot going on. Yeah, yeah, but it's good, and I feel like I've found the rhythm, uh, and so it's going well. Um, at right at the beginning of when I first the semester started, and it was the first time having two jobs and doing that, I was like, well, how is this gonna work? Um, but I've done it now, and I feel like okay, I can make this. I can make this work. Um, so yeah, so That's it's amazing. good.
0: What advice would yeah. you have? For a, a young pastor just getting out of school or grad yeah, school yeah. and going into their first pastorate, which is also a senior pastorate, yep, like yeah. what kinds of things would you want them to know?
1: Yeah, yeah. So um, take the long view. Mm. Uh, I I think I had the sense um, when I was young that the way we did church was the way my senior pastor wanted to do church. Mm. I've realized probably about oh maybe 60 percent of what we do is stuff that i like to do or, or the way i would do it if i was making it my dream church right okay Okay. yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. um but in the
1: vacuum yeah that's not a reality mm. you don't get to just go in and like do everything the way you like it mm-hmm. um you're working with other people that also have preferences and have expectations mm-hmm. from if you're going into an established church especially yeah um you have to work through all that so take the long game don't um that has been i think the thing that has helped them say yes to a young pastor was that they knew i wasn't just coming in and wanting to shake everything up and change everything i really wanted to get a sense of how can I help you cultivate your own identity as a congregation? Mm, so Not nice. telling you exactly how it has to be, yeah. but saying what are your gifts? What what can we draw out in you that is good? And letting that form how we do church, how we do worship, yeah. everything. Right. Um, so take the try to see the bigger picture, um, because that will give you so much wiggle room. Um uh learn learn to just like learn what is actually important to you and what you can say yep, sure, why not. Do you whatever know. You want. Yep, yep, yeah. I can live with it. Mm-hmm, um mm-hmm. because uh that's what you're asking them to do mm-hmm. when cuz oh. I want I want to save my this is what we have to do for things that like I feel are integral to Mm. the identity of our church. Mm -hmm. Um, Not things that don't matter. So if it like, so often, if it's not something that is like, I think is core for Mm. me, I just be like, what's the will of the people, you know? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, Like um, I'll let the board decide. Um, Mm. And also on that note, love your board. Mm. Board meetings are like my favorite Aww. they do not have to be bad yeah. you hear all these terrible stories we have short board meetings an hour or less we because I don't think Will Willimon I heard at a conference and he's like nothing really takes that long to decide they already know what they want to do and mm-hmm. I thought good point point. and yeah. so we we streamlined that and it went cut it down and they're so thankful that they don't have to spend all that time sure. and it just makes it like such a more efficient use of time. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so love your board, um, and again, I'm blessed that I came into a church. The pastor before me had done a lot of work, and I don't feel like I have people that are against me. Mm-hmm. And so I know that's not the case for everyone. Mm-hmm. Um, but when you, there are people that are a gift to you. Let them know that, yeah. and and love them, and treasure them, and. Uh, and try to lead lead board meetings and any sort of thing like that um, in a way that can also be spiritually formative. Yeah. Um, so uh, yeah, that's that's some of my advice. I think. I love that. Yeah.
0: What would what advice would you have for somebody who's nervous about a constant preaching routine? Nervous about the relentless waves yeah, yeah, in yeah. the ocean of preaching every week.
1: Yeah. Yeah find rhythms that um, work and um, yeah don't be afraid to try new practices Mm -hmm. Uh, just kind of like explore um, try new things if it doesn't work uh, let it rest for a week and try try again later Um, but uh, um, learning about preaching is really important Mm -hmm. Um, and so read or listen to, um, listen to talks, li- you know, go to conferences, pay attention to who, who you think is effective, identify why, and then try it. When you start preaching, um, I think this is probably true of like just any profession, um, but especially communication. When you're starting out all you can do is emulate Mm -hmm. so that's fine Mm -hmm. so pick someone that you like and try to preach a sermon how you think they would do it right Mm -hmm. so when i'm starting out i'm going to sound i'm going to be trying to sound a lot like one of my professors trying to i'm going to try to sound a lot like barbara round taylor right um and whether it does or not who cares right but i'm figuring out what I'm trying to do is then uncover, is there anything in this that's me? Mm-hmm. And so um, trying all these different, even forms and structures, and then begin to kind of figure out what's you and just find your own voice by trying out other people's voice. Uh, and take the pressure off of yourself. Um, do a lot less. You, No one is going to complain. <laughs> If you're out of there sooner, (laughs) especially when you're preaching every week, you know, if you're there once and it's a special thing and it's like, you're done in 15 minutes in the Nazarene church, like most people are probably like, well, that was, you know, barely even got into it. Right. Right, right, Yeah. Um, But when you're there every week and they're hearing you all the time, chances are, you're probably not saying anything that they haven't heard much before. So if you can find an effective way to say it, that's memorable in a shorter amount of time mm-hmm. go for that mm-hmm. um yeah I've just had to develop kind of my own sense of this is how I go about digging into the text and and here's how I go about constructing what I have and and here's how I think about my expectations for each part in their mind yeah so just get into all that try to figure out why you're saying what you're saying mm. If it's not clear to you, it's not clear to them. So if I'm telling a story, I have to understand how how I'm expecting that to create meaning in their mm-hmm. minds and in their hearts. If I don't get that, then it's just we're we're asking the Holy Spirit to use our <laughs> to use our whatever we're offering, which is always right. the case. Yeah. Um, but I'd rather help the Holy Spirit, right, <laughs> <laughs> um, as much as I can, instead yeah. of like just expecting this Spirit to work against you know sure, against yeah. me in spite of me all the time. Mm. Um, so yeah, just dig in, try stuff, listen to yourself preach, mm. record yourself, listen to it. It's painful. It is painful. It's oh, so it's painful. So I, this is like an embarrassing thing when you're. <laughs> no goodness. I shouldn't be telling this. Anyway, <laughs> I recent. It was probably like four months ago I was like I need to go back and listen to one of my sermons again because I haven't done it in a while I did and I'm sitting there listening to it and all of a sudden I'm like what what was that and I go back and listen to it again like triple more times I made this like weird like throat sound that I was not aware that I did oh no it was just like bizarre and I was like that was so weird how did that happen and like especially when you're comfortable in a place you can like do things while you're preaching, that you're not even aware of, so that's that's why it's very important that you like listen to yourself, and mm. then you can realize, okay, maybe I need to be a little bit more aware, right, so that I'm not making these weird throat, oh, my
0: random throat yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's probably TMI, but like, no, I but love really, it. I love like, it. listen to yourself. If you can find someone that is also willing to listen to and give you feedback, that's mm. like the best. Yeah. Um, uh, but yeah, yeah, just well, dig into it. Well, I say
0: from experience, like. We're, we're at M19 We're recording at M19 conference You can probably hear some of the background noise But I heard you preach yesterday yeah. At the Young Preachers Festival And it was such a treat And you, you preached in like 11 minutes And it was phenomenal And I took things away from it And you told great stories And had good images And I just thought, oh man like there, There's more that you can do In 10 to 12 minutes Than most people assume Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah That's Yeah, that's good it, it helps when you have a time limit. Yeah. I'm sure my people are like, man, I wish we, we should give a time limit at call, <laughs> You know what I mean? It's like 30 minutes and you still going. you know. You, right, right, right. Yeah. So, but thank you, Britt. Thanks. Yeah. yeah it was so good welcome. fun. It was good fun.
0: Um, what would you say to someone who is getting their first pastorate and it's rural and yeah. they have, you know, maybe never been to a rural town or they've never been to this town and they're, um kind of looking forward to this thing. They're not sure what to expect. Like, what what advice or encouragement would you have for a, for a pastor like that?
1: Yeah. Um, so I think, it, again, it comes down to, like, learning your people, mm. right? Um, so have, have compassionate eyes for the history of your church mm. and see how, Try to, if you can, learn as much as you can about what's happened in the past 10 years um, and just assume going in that your people are very lovable. Mm. Um, and oh, uh, there may be some that aren't <laughs> so much, but go into it um, and, and just assume uh, the, the rural side of it. And this, this is even maybe just more broad in general. The rural side, well, okay, we'll just I'll just lay my cards into it. it tends to be more conservative. Sure. Um, we're uh, we're in, in nineteen. Dr. Frank Moore just talked about how influenced we are by fundamentalism in our church mm-hmm. and how that's not who we are, mm-hmm. our, but our people don't know that. Mm-hmm. So, practically, and growing up in a smaller church, doing ministry in a smaller church, that's the identity of our people. What yeah. they don't realize that that's not actually who we are as Nazarenes.
0: Right.
1: So. That saying that, if you're especially if you're coming right out of a undergrad or grad program, yeah. there is going to be a shock to your system uh-huh. when you can't take what you just talked about in your revelation class sure. and just boom drop it in the pulpit. Oof. The the one thing I feel like my education did not give me was time to explore in class how to go about discerning what that we talked about here is actually helpful uh. and i have a professor at ctu that just said the wisest thing she was i'm going a gospel of john class and she was talking about the um the the theory of the authorship of the gospel of john which is mm-hmm. like the you know john and then john's uh, pupil and then the evangelist and then the community and all this mm-hmm. and she's like you're never going to talk about this to your people because you always have to be asking what is good news. Right. Mm. And I've seen people that I came through school with and they go out and it's like, they're just like letting, like letting off a steam valve of everything that they learned. Oh. And I like, it makes me I'm like, Oh no. You know what I mean? Um, they're not ready for that because yeah, yeah. They're not ready for that. I, you know, like I had my world rocked in like four years, yeah. you know, five years with grad school. Um, because I was doing it full-time. Yeah. So these are people that have, like, other lives, and they're older than me. Mm. So if I'm going to expect them to go on the journey of discovery that I've been on, like, realistically, if they can do it in 15 years, that would be amazing. You yeah, know what I mean? Yeah, they're
0: only doing it one day a week. Yeah,
1: yes, yeah, yeah. The, Maybe uh, two the if they come lies. to some, some discipleship thing. Yeah. So don't go and just, like, <laughs> bombshell everything that you know. Yeah. Figure out how it's good news. And... Um, to me, it always comes back to scripture. For me, like that, because that was my understanding of what the Bible is, and actually getting like a Nat like understanding of what we believe about the Bible as Nazarene Church. That is what shaped everything for me. Because if we're if we have a fundamentalist understanding of the Bible, then that just influences the way we do ministry and everything. Yeah. So my thing is always that that is what I want to impart to my people is how to read the Bible. In a good and healthy way, I think that's the place you start. Uh, And I was talking with Jr. um, Yes, thank you, thank you. And he said something that I thought was so wise. He said, "You have to." We'd asked, "How do you, um, how do you lead people?" To begin to see, maybe it's not what they always thought it was, mm. you know, because uh, that's scary for people. Sure. And he said the wisest thing. He said, "You have to, sh- you have to do work before that, and you have to show them that you love Scripture even more than they do." Mm. And so, um, don't go into the pulpit just like dropping bombshells on people. Show them how much you love it, and you cher- and it's precious to you, and the truth of it is meaningful in your life, yeah. and that. The, that what you are hearing from the sermon is impacting you probably more than it is them I mean my preaching in a lot of ways is my spiritual formation um, and if if people don't see that then you're not going to have much credibility um, and they won't go as they won't go as far with you into places that they're not comfortable if they don't see the value so I'd say if, especially if you're going to a rural community you need to really process how to slowly make little steps towards broadening the world um, and turning this ship back to its actual course. Because in a lot of ways, it feels like somehow our church has been commandeered by a different theological understanding of a lot of things. And so just, again, it's the long view, right? How can I help turn it just these few degrees mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. because this church is, has a lot longer lifespan than just one generation. So how can I um, just move it a little bit back towards? So discerning what is good news. Um, and sometimes that means I've got to tell you why Isaiah probably wasn't written by one person. Mm-hmm. And then it's like, Whoa, you know, it's like kind of crazy. Right. Mm. But if you can show how it's good news, then they'll go with you. Yeah. Um, and the other thing is there's, a, like, there's an element of, like, arrogance. Like, I need everyone to think just like I do. Mm. No, I, I don't. I don't need everyone. I don't need my people to just, like, have the same opinion about everything that I do. Mm. I want it to be a little bit bigger than that because I want room for me. So I'll let them have room. Like, that's yeah. not my goal. But the goal is to have a healthy relationship with Scripture. Um so helping move them in that direction slowly uh, over a course of time. So.
0: Well, and I think there's this temptation to be like, I spent 15 hours studying this passage. Like, I can't waste all these tidbits oh, I discovered. Yeah, yeah. I have to tell them all to you. Yeah,
1: well, and it's never yeah. wasted because you never throw those away. Yeah. You keep those notes. Always keep those things. I have a huge stack of... Um, I have this huge stack of note cards that honestly may never be anything than a huge stack of note cards. Sure. But, like, I heard growing up, like, okay. preparing to preach is not your devotional life. Mm. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and this is something I learned that first summer of being a, a interim pastor as well was,
0: okay.
1: well, well, then what is it? Right. If I'm not digging into this to see how it can change me... Mm. Then I'm just giving a book report on yeah. a really old book. You know what oh. I mean? It's, it's preaching has to be bearing witness mm. to how it how it has done something to you. Mm. And it's oh, not okay. that we're always not that we're always just like ripping ourselves open sure. and bleeding in front of everyone, sure, right? Sure, sure. But if you don't have a sense that this is what it's saying to me, then it just becomes this is what it says to you, mm. right? And, and uh, more often than not, like there's some passages of scripture that are like aggressive and kind of confrontational, but most of them are very kind and loving and patient and generous. And that's what your people ought to feel when they hear you sharing the good news. It, it's, got to, it's got to sound like good news also, you know? Yeah.
0: I love that so much Matthew I feel like it's amazing that you're like almost a decade younger than me because you're so wise and I already look up to you so much um, and I just feel like what a gift you are to our community and I'm grateful for you taking this time to sit Thank down you. with us Yeah. okay so the last question I yes. ask everybody is yes. what inspires you to stay specifically in the Church of the Nazarene and, like what is it that's keeping you here?
1: yeah yeah I have a two-part answer
0: okay
1: one um I so the first part is what has made it possible for me to stay Mm. just like emotionally spiritually and to that my answer is Bill Clark my mentor um the the people in my um the ordination process that that love me um and have expressed that and so that I know that when it's hard it's also they care yeah um and the, the 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 young clergy network, mm. and I've told you this before, but like that first year was so lonely, and that's when this podcast started dropping, mm. and all of a sudden I was not alone. Ugh. And the young clergy conferences, and I'm like counting so many people. Like, you gotta be there in October. You know what I mean? So, <laughs> it's pl- the last yeah, I know. It's like it's the last. I I'm mind blown. I just don't comprehend how someone could not be at those. And you know, I'm like always there. And. Yeah is geeking out um, oh. but having that community mm. has made it possible for me to stay what makes me want to stay is my people mm. the people in my church um, are are so human and imperfect <laughs> like um, not sinful but like there's friction we're just like people right mm-hmm. maybe they're infirmities right I don't know uh, Wesleyan Scholar can critique that sure, but sure. Um, We're just, that happens, but they are so loving, and they love me, and they love their families, and they love their church, and the the moment that for me was like, okay, maybe we'll stay. I'll try to keep the story brief. Uh, After General Assembly, I had um, uh, a guy in his 80s from the church, he said, could we do... um, uh, like a series on what's changing in the manual. Oh, and yeah, yeah, right, right. Like, (laughs) okay, let's do it. You know what I mean? So Wednesday nights is kind of like always different. And there's usually about 15, uh, people there Mm -hmm. and we do different like, um, studies and things. So we did like a month and a half going through changes that were going to be made to the manual. Um, in the two weeks when we went over the statement on human sexuality, Mm -hmm. um, I was extremely nervous, obviously, because like that's just opening a can of worms. And there was like more people that showed up. You know what I mean? Because like yeah, which which is good, good, right, right. So, um, but those two weeks of conversation, um, seeing in a rural community um, in the Church of Nazarene, people sitting in a circle, talking about something that's very charged emotionally. And loving each other, and being kind to each other, and being kind to me as the person trying to lead this conversation. Sure. Um, it was was transformative, and mm. and to to move. And I like pushed them very, very, very. I, like I thought, I can't believe they let how like how far they let me take this conversation as far as really getting into um, having like a like a real in-depth conversation about mm-hmm. um sexuality so like it was so good and and the second week focusing on lgbtq uh stuff and to hear um this group of people sit around and, and we we read um this blog post from someone who had been raised in the church mm-hmm. and basically was sharing here's how the church has hurt me oh. and i knew that that was going to be really really hard but we sat there and we read that and to see their like their countenance begin to grieve um, to say this is not who we are you know we don't this is we want to be a place of love and to move and we we finished that night by reading a psalm of lament and lamenting the way that we have treated some of our sisters and brothers and then having a time of repentance Um, and so I tell you that just to say after that night I thought that was crazy and if they will go there I'll 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 stick around so it's the people of sandwich illinois uh, it's the saints of god it's the saints that that keep me here that make me want to stay uh, yeah
0: that story is so powerful thank you for sharing
1: yeah, absolutely.
0: Well, if somebody wanted to reach out to you, ask you questions, yeah. advice, book recommendations, where, where can they reach you? How can they
1: yep. Find you? So I'm on Facebook, Matthew Jones, Instagram, I am Matthew Jones. Um, phone call, 309-229-8844. <laughs> Seriously, uh, just call me. I'll, I'm like 100% extrovert, so Love it'll it. be great. great. Um, email PastorMattJones at gmail.com. Thank you so much for for having having me, Britt. Thanks for everything you do.